If you've ever studied the book of Revelation, you know it's filled with some odd references and that can make people who talk about it seem odd too. Today, Pastor Daniel wants you to know going into this series that yes, it's strange, but that doesn't mean you should ignore it. It means you need to dig deeper. You need to figure out what God's trying to tell you. And as you heard him say, that's true for every book of the Bible. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, as he continues his message, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that this is a book about Jesus. And really, everything in your life is designed to reveal Jesus to you. Now, from there, notice what it says in verse 3. It says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Now, I would say it to you this way. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we should be blessed. We should be blessed. Because blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. So what that means is I'm blessed for reading it to you. And you're blessed for hearing it. Now, if you've been around Crossroads for a while, every time we see the blessings of the Bible, how do we translate that? Crazy happy. Because there, in the book of Revelation, there are seven of these beatitudes. This is just the first of them. Now, for those of you who like to take notes, I'll give you all seven of them. But you can just look blessed in the book of Revelation up. But you can find all the beatitudes of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 14, verse 13. Chapter 16, verse 15. Chapter 19, verse 9. Chapter 20, verse 6. Chapter 22, verse 7. And 22, verse 14. There's seven of these blesseds. Now, of course, in the Greek, and I talk about this in my book, Crazy Happy, as we're looking at the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, but that word makarios, which literally means, oh, how happy Oh, how blessed. Oh, how fortunate. Oh, how lucky. It denotes somebody who gets something that they don't deserve and they feel gratitude because of it. So right here, you find that just from hearing and reading this prophecy, there is this blessing that comes. And I call it crazy happy because God's plans for our happiness come in weird places. Like whoever thought that reading a book with these angelic visions and with these vile judgments and trumpet judgments and bold judgments and all this imagery will make you blessed. The reason we get blessed is because it reveals to us who Jesus is. So I want to encourage you to be blessed. Listen to the beatitude of Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly. 
Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, I read that one because you notice here, the happiness that God offers us is not only in reading and hearing the words of this prophecy, but notice the middle of verse 3. And keep those things which are written in it. Now, this is important because God's plan for all of our lives is not that we just hear the word, but we do it as well, right? We studied the book of James together, and we found that faith without works is dead. So really what God is interested in is not just us hearing the scriptures, but he's interested in us in hearing the scriptures and by faith, walking them out, putting them into practice. And all through the scriptures, what you find is that God wants to change our lives, not just the beliefs that we have. A true belief that is transformational changes your life. Now, we're not saved by those works. We're saved into a life that is changed. Does that make sense? So like when you go back and you read Matthew chapter 7, the beautiful story of the person who built their house on the rock, it says the person who hears those sayings of mine and does them. So brothers and sisters, I always want to encourage you, when you read something in the Bible, the question is, is how do I do this in my real life? Because really, if wisdom is the right application of the right information, if you're hearing the Bible, you're getting the right information, but you have to apply it to your own life. And only you can apply it to your own life. I can't do it for you. No, but your spouse can't do it for you. Your godly friends can't do it for you. You make your choices. And God doesn't want us just to hear the things. He's like, he wants us to do it, put it into practice. One of the ways that I encourage people to do this is to not overthink things. Like, so when the Bible says you should serve people, then what should you do? Serve people. Don't think, is that person worthy? No. It's like we overthink ourselves into spiritual complacency. Now, when you start serving, you might realize this isn't the best context for me. These folks, you know, there's all sorts of issues. And that's another thing. But really, you can only steer a moving car, not really a parked car. I mean, you could steer a parked car, but it doesn't really move well. So part of it is you need to get going. And so we really want to, the blessing comes not just from hearing it, but now applying it to our lives. And I love this because in the first beatitude, blessed are those who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. There's this blessing for hearing it and keeping it. But then he says, for the time is near. And in Revelation 22, 7, it says, behold, I'm coming quickly. So once again, you get this statement of the imminency of when these things are going to take place. Right? And then I had you read already. Notice it says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, I'm going to stop there because I want to explain to you the primary ways people interpret the book of Revelation, why there's so much argument among scholars or Christians about how to interpret it. And I want to show you that the reason there's so much argument is because in the first three verses, in the first sentence of the fourth verse, we actually find out that there are three main types of writing that the book of Revelation is, which corresponds to the three main ways people interpret the book of Revelation. Now, this might be a little bit deep and theological, so if you're maybe just exploring Christianity or you're new to the faith and it kind of shoots over your head, don't worry about it. Just hear it, and you can think about it later or forget it, and it's okay. But if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you want to know this. Now, the book of Revelation in the first three plus verses tells us that it's actually in three different genres of biblical writings. Now, you think about a writing genre. That is a type of literature that it is. Right? So just like if you were writing, right? You can write fiction or nonfiction, right? 
Fiction is something that is fake and nonfiction is not fake, so it's real life. But then within that, you can write in poetry, right? You can write in long form. There's all different styles of writing. And now the Bible is full of all different styles of writing, right? There is gospels or their narratives or telling the story. There are letters. There's prophecy. There is poetry. Like the book of Psalms is poetry. Like when God says, you know, I want to hide you under the shadow of my wings. Does that mean God has divine wings? No, it's a poetic way of saying, I want to protect you. Now, what we learn here is that the book of Revelation is three different types of biblical literature all at the same time. First, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word apocalypse, there is apocalyptic literature in the Bible and also in extra biblical literature. So the first genre is apocalyptic. The second genre, look at verse three, blessed is he who reads the words and keeps the words of what? This what? Prophecy. So this is not only apocalyptic, it's also prophecy. And then verse four, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. This is an epistle. This is a letter. It's a circular letter to seven churches. Now, so what this means is that the book of Revelation is apocalyptic, it's prophetic, and it's also a circular epistle. Now, I put that out there. There are three main schools of interpretation of the book of Revelation. And there's lots of people who have kind of hybrid views. But the three main views actually all go along with each one of these types of biblical literature, right? So there's the view that people would call the preterist view, which they look at the book of Revelation and say, all of this has to do with the time in which it was written. It was for the early church, what was going on in the Roman Empire. And the reason they believe that is because it's a circular letter. So the preterist view, all of this has to do with the Roman Empire and the plight of the church in the first century. They take the preterist view because it's a letter. And guess what? It is a letter. So there's merit to that position. The second view is all of this is about the future. What's coming in the future? It's called a futurist view. And the reason they believe that is because it's prophecy. And then the third view is what they call the symbolic view, which is everything is a symbolic picture of something else. And the reason they have a symbolic view is because it's apocalyptic. Because the apocalyptic literature, you have it in the book of Daniel, in Ezekiel, and a lot of places in the writings between the closing of the Old Testament and the New Testament, what we call the apocryphal books, the apocalyptic literature was a very popular type of writing, highly symbolic, Telling stories, you know, kind of like, you know, apocalyptic would be like Tolkien or C.S. Lewis. Trying to show the themes, but in these grand pictures and visions, right? So apocalyptic literature was highly symbolic. Lots of big metaphors and different things. Prophetic is it's going to happen in the future. So they're talking about things they don't quite understand yet because they haven't seen it. But it's, and then you have, it's a letter. Just like when you read James's letter, he's talking about things going on in the church, right? When you, when you read Paul's letter to the Ephesians, there's things going on in the church in Ephesus. So what I would say is the three main ways that people interpret the book of Revelation, preterist, it's all local back in the day, symbolic, everything is a picture of something else, or it's all in the future, all three of them are partially right. I think the only error is when they think their way is the only way. Like they hunker down. So I grew up in a tribe where it was all futurist. So it's like anything that, and I remember hearing, if you don't believe 
in this interpretation, you're not serious about the Bible. Until I read like 4,000 page commentaries from people very serious about Jesus who held a whole different interpretive grid. But what I find is with scholars, the way academia works is you take a belief and then you completely push against it. But I actually believe that we should look at the book of Revelation through all three lenses. Because the text tells us it's apocalyptic, it's prophecy, and it's a letter. Does that make sense? Now the problem becomes, I would say, is that when you're choosing not to choose one genre of literature as your prophetic grid, then the question becomes, well, where do you draw the lines? And you know what the answer is? I don't know. Like, that's the problem. It's like, it's easier if you choose one way. And isn't that the way our world works? It's easier to be on the left or the right than thinking that they're both a little bit out of their mind. Because there's certainty in a position. You know who you think is right, who you think is wrong. And so what we do is people have a hard time embracing the tension of like, actually, I think, you know, I kind of like this, but I don't like this. I kind of like this. And so, and everybody wants to pigeonhole you into a position. And what's funny is, is in, in interpreting the book of Revelation, it's the same exact way. Like people are like, if you believe this, you can't believe all that. No, you actually can you know what I mean? And so the key, I think, in studying the book of Revelation is to be able to hold intention that this is three different types of biblical literature all at the same time. It is apocalyptic, so it's highly symbolic. It is prophecy, so it deals with things that are yet to come. And it's a letter to local churches, and it deals with things that they're going through right now. And hold it together and try and figure out where it all lands. So a lot of times as we go through this book, I'm going to show you like, well, you can interpret this this way, this way, or this way. And depending on which one you take, you go this way or this way. And I'm going to leave it open-ended because I think it's actually the best, most biblical way to do it. Because it's a lot of things in the Bible are clear as day. You know what it is. There's no arguing it. And there's a lot of other things that you're like, well, you know, if you take this verse and this verse and this verse, you put all together, you get, I have no clue what to do with that. Does that make sense? Now, in the same way, What makes this even more fun is that the book of Revelation has over 400 verses in it, but it has almost 800 references to the Old Testament. And that doesn't include references to intertestamental literature that isn't in your Bible. So you have all of this. There's so many references from all these verses that you could be pulling in. And if you, depending on how you interpret the context of these verses, it makes it even more exciting and fun. But what I would encourage you, as I say all this as a way to, how many of you are totally confused right now? Okay, a bunch of you. Listen, hang in there with me. Thank you for your honesty. We'll be all confused together. Does that make sense? But like, I bring all this in because here's what I want to tell you about the scriptures and not just the book of Revelation. If you rake, you get leaves. If you dig, you get diamonds. I'm going to say that again. If you rake, you get leaves. If you dig, you get diamonds. And that's true of every book of the Bible. And so I think the key for all of us is to not just be willing to just get the surface stuff, but like, you can dig into this stuff. Now, the key is if you dig in the book of Revelation, don't get so weird. I know lots of people, they, do, they get weird, man. Before they know it, they're like talking about themselves in other languages. And you're like, what happened to you? You were so normal and like Jesus. And now you're weird. I mean, God wants us to be peculiar people, but not like wackos. Does that make sense? In Jesus' name. So like, let's keep the peculiarity without the weirdness. Does that make sense? But I want you to dig because there's so much in here. Okay. Now, as we go through, I'll talk about the different types of literature. But in the same way, like if you're interpreting poetry, you don't want to over literalize poetry. Does that make sense? 
Now, like, have you ever read poetry? There's all these, you know, beautiful language. You're like, well, if you like, well, you know, when Jesus says, I am the door of the sheepfold, he's not really saying he's a door with a knob on it. Like, it's a metaphor. So if you over-literize that Jesus is the door, it's like, it gets weird. Now, in the same way, when Jesus says, I am the door, if you don't realize he's speaking metaphorically, then that can get you in other issues. And so, by honoring the types of genre that these things are inspired by the Spirit to be written in, we have an opportunity to see, like, what is God telling us? Okay? Now, coming back down to out of theology land, back down to the text. Look what it says, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Now, what we learn right away is that John here is an ambassador. John is an ambassador. Where John is the human author of a spiritual book, and God wants to speak to these seven churches through John. Now, I love this idea of being an ambassador because an ambassador doesn't do whatever they want to do. There's somebody sent with a commission from somebody else. And it's important that all of us realize that you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are an ambassador of Christ, which means you are on an errand wherever you are from Jesus. Listen to how the Apostle Paul explains it. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 20 and 21. It says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, I love this. He's saying that we are the ambassadors of God and God is speaking, pleading through our lives. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Everybody wants you to be their ambassador. This is one of my big pressure points in pastoring in the cultural moment that we find ourselves because our culture right now, you're either an ambassador of the right or the left. And I'm going to tell you, if you're a Christian, you're an ambassador of Christ, neither one of those. And the big struggle is when we lose that. And what you have is you have Christians who are either losing it on the left or the right. But I don't think we should be even, you don't want to be an ambassador of a political party. I mean, you can if you want to. It'd be just like everybody else, but you're not salt and light. God does not want us to have multiple allegiances in whose commission we're walking in. Now, I I say that people get mad at me all the time and all this stuff. Here's what I want to tell you. My only job is to see us be salt and light in a world where the world needs people to be ambassadors of Jesus and not all this other garbage. I'm not saying we should not care about politics. I'm not saying we should bury our head in the sand. But for too many of us, our Christianity and politics on one side of the aisle or the other, it's the, the politics are overtaking your ambassadorship for Christ, which now blurs the message of Jesus, who were his ambassador. John, don't miss the fact, amen, don't miss the fact that the Roman Empire was just as polarized when this stuff was being written as it is today. 
There was all the same stuff going on in Israel, in the Roman Empire, but the people of God made a choice that their allegiance was only going to be to Jesus, the only one who died and rose again for them. And all other allegiances fall away. That's why Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your father and your mother, your spouse, your children. He's not saying you should hate your parents or hate your wife or hate your kids. He's saying you can't have any other allegiance above me. And what the problem that we, what I've learned is that as it relates to allegiances and idolatry, we're never the best person to explain to us where our, our idolatries lie. We're so caught up in it, we don't even realize it. Like if your Facebook page has got more political posts than posts about Jesus, you have your answer. If you pray for your enemies or if you spit at your enemies and call them names, you have your answer. And if you're in that place, listen, God wants to reveal himself to you so you can change. Because what did Jesus do for his enemies? He came on a rescue mission and he died for them. And I'm here, here to tell you, raging on people on social media is not dying for them. It's being a brat. Amen? And I love you. I say that out of love. I say that out of nothing but love for you and for Jesus. And we don't have these problems here at Crossroads, but it's a big problem in the church as a whole. And I realize this is going to be on TV, on the radio, and people are going to hear it. And listen, we're ambassadors of Christ. We want to be the fragrance of Christ. And I'm here to tell you, you ever go through a department store where they're trying to get you to buy the fragrances and you get sprayed by all of them? Does anybody want to be around you when you smell like 87 different types of fragrance? What's the answer? No. Right? In the same way, we just want to be the pure fragrance of life in Christ. We don't want to be emitting all these fragrances. No. Just one. It's the eternal one. Does that make sense? So John is an ambassador. We're called to be ambassadors. Now, he's writing to these seven churches. We're going to get to them in chapters two and three. And he says a normal greeting, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Speaking of the father, the father who is the past, the present, the future. So beautiful. God inhabits all of time. God sits outside of time. God always was and he always will be. He's here right now. And that's one of the things I love. In in an ever-changing world, the constancy and consistency of God is a joy. I've also found that when people are really mature in Christ, they are constant and consistent. And I say that as someone who I, I'm highly, I can be very emotional and I'm Italian and I'm human. And so like, I'm constantly saying God just like, Daniel, you need to be consistent. You need to be constant. You need to be steady. And the more I grow in Christ, the more Lord's like, no, no, you need to be steady because I'm steady. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, grow me up, grow me up. So first is from, from the father. Then it says from the seven spirits who are before the throne. Now this becomes complicated. Who are the seven spirits? Now, a lot of people would say that if you look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it talks about the seven ways the Holy Spirit works, where it says the spirit of the Lord, that's the first spirit, will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. There's seven attributes to the way the spirit works. Jesus is You are an ambassador for Christ. That's something Pastor Daniel brought up today, reminding you that as an ambassador, there's someone you're representing. You aren't making decisions on your own. You're making the choices your Heavenly Father is guiding you to make. 
So as you encounter difficult things in your journey with the Lord, remember who you are in Him and let that guide your reactions. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel invites you to view your current circumstances through God's eyes. This isn't always easy, but it will help to continue studying the Bible, especially this book of Revelation. As you do, you'll see more clearly who you are in Christ and what His plans are for you. And it might just change how you approach the situations that are filling your mind and your day. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.